Let's play a game called Let's See If Sam Needed to Go to Emergency or Not. This is What Shall We Do About with Sam Robinson. Hello and welcome to What Shall We Do About, the show that tries to fix the world's less pressing problems. Hospitals are never a place that we want to spend a whole lot of time at. Unless, of course, we require urgent medical attention. In that case, they are exactly the place to be. Well, mostly, though, it's a place of sickness and sadness. A place of pain and painful waits. A place where staff are stretched, especially as they deal with the added pressure of a pandemic. So, what shall we do about hospitals? Georgie Carroll spent years working as a nurse in public hospitals around the world before switching gears and launching into the world of comedy. She's just released her first book, Off the Charts, which is a memoir of her time working as a nurse. In this conversation, we talk about nursing, comedy, and what can be done to improve our hospitals. Georgie Carroll, great to have you on the podcast. Oh, hello. Hi, Sam. Nice to meet you too. I've never talked to a nurse slash comedian before. Because I'm the only one, mate. Well, there's Jill Brand in it, but uh, get her on your podcast as well. No, I am the only, I think, nurse comic in Australia. Yeah, let's go the only one in the Southern Hemisphere. That sounds more impressive. I imagine, though, that there must be some nurses who work in hospitals who would consider themselves a bit of comedians. Oh, you, absolutely. Do you know, you, you never don't get a good story out of them. They're just funny people. I'm surprised I'm the only one. Like I laugh harder at hospitals sometimes than I do in a comedy club. I yeah. just, I just, yeah, the, the the banter and just where it's all coming from because it comes from a place that's very real and very brutal, uh, but still caring. So you know, it's just that. It's just gorgeous. I imagine mm. there must be moments where you, you know, you 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 find these funny moments in between the the sadness of the hospital and then you get together on tea breaks in the in the in the rooms as nurses and just share the stories of oh, you won't believe what happened to me this morning do you have any of those moments yeah definitely and there's not of course there's sadness it depends what area you work in hmm. but it you know I, I don't often take it on as my sadness hmm. like that wouldn't work for a lifestyle would it if every time somebody came in with something horrible you felt bad yeah. Like you're in the wrong job if that happens. So there's the odd thing that will touch you. But, yeah, definitely you just go in the staff room. And you might have awkward customers, you know, like there's a reason why people are awkward in hospital. They might not be awkward in their own lives, but, you know, they're hungry, they're scared. They're people can get really awkward. Mm. But then you have to maintain a, a level of civility and professionalism in front of them. But then, yeah, you will go in the staff room and have a bit of a banter about it. Of course, of course. Yeah. Now, we are talking about your um, your career as a nurse and also we're going to solve hospitals soon because you've got a brand new book called Off the Charts and it's a kind <laughs> of, it's it's a beautiful memoir, but it's also very funny at the same time. People may not have come across you before, but you have had a long career as a nurse, but you've also found yourself on the comedic circuit. Can you explain a bit about your, your history, your career? Okay, 20 years of nursing or I make up numbers. I'll be honest with you, Sam. I don't know how long I've been doing anything, but I think it's about, I don't know my wedding anniversary. That's how bad I am. It's either the 3rd or 4th of November and I never know which one. <laughs> and so, yeah, about 20 years nursing and about 10 of them are in Australia, 10 are in England. 
And I never did comedy in England. I took that up when I got to Australia. Wow. So, yeah, that, that it grew out of a need to know everybody. I'm very gregarious. And it just, I needed to meet every because I'm from Adelaide now. And I wanted to meet everyone in Adelaide, which is an achievable goal, if we're honest. So I started going out on my own because I didn't have any anybody else to care for the kids. So Steve had to stay home with the kids and I'd just go out. Yeah. It's going to the cinemas on your own is all right. You don't meet anyone. And then I fell into a comedy club and I was like, oh, this is like youth club for adults. This is just, you know, there's enough breaks where you get them people want to talk to each other. And if your head's there often enough, you become part of that cult. And yeah, but it was very, like it was the first night of comedy that I watched that I thought, this is atrocious. I'll have a go. And I didn't know it was an art form. I thought it was like karaoke. So I just said to the promoter, can I can I get up? And he said, not this week. That's not how it works. We'll come back next week. <laughs> and yeah, that that's literally how it started. And then I was hooked. And I thought it was so easy. I do this a lot in life. For the first year of doing something, I'm like, God, why are people whinging? This is so easy. You know, and yeah. then it got harder. You know, when you when you work out what you don't know, it starts getting, oh, that's why it's difficult. Mm. When you got up for that first set, can you remember what your jokes were about? Was it about nursing back yeah, then? Yeah, they weren't kind. So I've learned that there's certain things you can chat about in a staff room where there's an underlying temper of knowing that you're going to fix this problem and just saying it on stage and it being cruel. Uh, so definitely in terms of things like addiction or um, people that were kicking off in the hospitals, I could be quite funny. Mm. Luckily, my audience was around like 20 at the time. I'm not ch- I'm not building an army of hate. But, you know, when I look back at it now, I'm like, I would never say that mm. now. You know, I would never make that the butt of a joke. Well, I think, I mean, hospitals are an interesting place. Often they are a, a place of sadness and, and sickness and loss as well. Has it taken you a number of years to work out the best way to write shows and, and books uh, about hospital humour, so to speak, to get it right, get the balance no. right? No, that it's part of the culture of... Oh, well, it, they're not all nurses are the same, but it's just the culture of it. It always turns into an anecdote. Like, there was no real massive crossover there apart from just saying it into a microphone. It's the stuff you say at dinner parties. It's the stuff. Mm. It's just it's just amazing. You're just in everybody's lives. You can be in 20 people's most epic day of the year. In one day, you'll just be stood there looking at it unfold in front of you and how they all cope with it or don't cope with it. Or You're going to get stories out of that. So there was no real hard way to learn. I remember in terms of coping with loss and things in hospital, I think I almost pretended at the beginning. Like I've never found death that sad, which I don't know if that sounds awful or not. I just think it's part of life. But when I first started laying out dead bodies, you are somber to a degree, but I would try and make myself cry just because I thought perhaps I'm dead inside. Mm. You know, like why am I not crying? Someone's dead in front of me and people are missing him. And, you know, and I, but I would just think, oh, well, that's going to happen to us all. I can't even, I don't mourn celebrity deaths. I, I can't, you know, when there's such an outpour, you know, all the flowers at Diana's gates and things. And I just like, I, I never understood it. Hmm. Um, I love take that. But if one of them died, I would be fine with it. <laughs> if Robin Williams died, 
tomorrow. I'm like, that's all right. Let's move on next. So yes. I sound like a sociopath. No, okay. Not. Well, let's 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 move on to the I want to talk about the uh, let's go to the emergency room because mostly when you go to hospital unless you're visiting someone that's where you end up first of all as a as a regular punter like myself. The last time yeah. I went to the hospital emergency room Let's play a game called Let's See If Sam Needed to Go to Emergency or Not. Okay. Right, go on. What did you go to emergency with, Sam? I lay down and I had terrible reflux. This is in bed at night and chest pain. Yes. Chest pain, definitely. Yeah. Without a doubt, you should have been there. So I did. I, I called up the um, – I didn't call the emergency room because I was away from home. I, I called up uh, – it was some nurse service, and they're like, let me call you an ambulance. I'm like, no, 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 I can get there myself, and I did. But then I realised that I had the I, – I think by having the chest pain, I had the quick route through. There was a man next to me who'd done something to his leg and blood was going everywhere, but he was told to wait. Yes. But never, but never, if you come in with a, a testicle problem and you're waiting a long time, don't suddenly make up a chest pain because then we'll forget about your balls. <laughs> like, if you have to, if you've got chest pain, there's, there's a definite science behind the triage system and why some people are waiting and some people aren't waiting. And if you are waiting a long time, just be thankful you aren't being rushed. If you're getting rushed through, you are so close to the edge, it's not funny. Yeah, any of those things, and you might look weller than somebody else whose head's fallen off. But literally, yeah, that's just how it has to work. Yeah, so you can't, can't see the next person then the next person. There has to be an acuity system to it. You can't set up a ticketing system. You can't set up. Isn't that like you? You know, when you, you get a ticket upgrade to first class on a plane, there's no code word that can get you in sooner, quicker. No, and not even nurses now. So we used to have the perk if you're in the hospital, it'd just be like, oh, go on. You know, if you brought your kids. But no, that's less of a culture now. I can't say it wouldn't happen anywhere, but it's not a given that if you turn up in your uniform, then you're going to get seen quicker. It's just the system has so much going on. And even if you see people sat there looking like they're not doing anything, it's not because there's nothing to do right now. It's because they're waiting on the next thing, to, you know, like something OBS might need doing in five minutes and you just have to take the break where you can. Yeah. And so, yeah. I can I totally get how frustrating it is coming in. Hopefully for you, it was reflux, which does feel a lot like chest pain. Do you know what it was? What? I've been on a road trip in my car. Uh, I was the passenger, kids in the back dropping stuff, and I was leaning around so much that I get some sort of chest cramp. Yeah, and that's what it was. So I didn't even need to go to that's hospital. Right, but never, we'll never say you shouldn't be there. That's something you should know as well. If you ask the question, do you think a GP could deal with this? Then some people who are very, you know, some of the more seasoned nurses will go, that sounds like a great idea. But we can't say, you are wasting so many hours of your life right now. Go to your GP tomorrow. You know, like we we will, we can't say that. But if you ask us, you know, did you think, what what, what am I risking if I, and, and if we see any risk whatsoever, we'll say, no, you should stay. Mm. You, you know, like it's worth, it's worth it just to get it cleared. Uh, you know, like we'll, we'll talk you into it. You mentioned in the book that you ha- have only ever worked in the public hospital system, and I know that I yep. kind of feel like it's a it's a system that's probably under pressure in many ways for funding. But how does it compare to other hospital systems that you've worked in around the world? We can always do better, but it's so much. Ah, oh, it was like going business class when I left England and came here to work in a hospital. I couldn't believe, like, I never had a break in England, which sounds very martyrish, but it was a culture to just not just graze as you're going along and you would 
almost be considered lazy at the units I worked on if you said, like, I'm going off for half an hour. Smokers were allowed to nip out. That was like, that's a break. But if you sat down and said, I'm not writing at the same time or I'm not going to take phone calls at the same time as eating, then, you know, it was it was sinners. It was just a, a workplace practice that was wrong. And it really couldn't have a life outside a hospital. You're the hospital's bitch, if you like. You are, you belong to them. You've got to do, you know, they'll ring you and just say, right, you're in today. That kind of yeah. thing. Whereas my, my gorgeous hospital that I worked for, I noticed very quickly that the people who loved playing netball and needed to be at netball on a Wednesday didn't work Wednesdays. And that blew my mind. I was like, they, they want them to have a life outside of this. And definitely that proved true when I was transitioning into comedy. Because every time I went to my boss and I was like, I need to work less. I need to uh, not be here next month. I need to, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they were always great. Even when I started going on telly and working in the hospital, hmm. which there's so much about confidentiality in nursing, that that must have been really scary for them. But they were just like, okay, you know your code of conduct, get on with it. If you ruin yourself, you ruin yourself. And you know, you've done well so don't far. Mention, yeah, don't don't mention the hospital. Say you work in the public system. That'll be enough in in South Australia. And if people find out after that, that's up to them. They were so cool at just letting me grow in a different area to nursing. What would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about nurses? What do people think of nurses? The common things are they'll either go one way or the other, that they're angels and they're heroes, or they'll go the other way, which is I met a really nasty one. But the more common thought is heroes and angels, isn't it? Which is sometimes it's a word applied to lots of, female-dominated jobs is this angel thing which stops us getting the other respect that we need. We're a very respected profession, but mm. it stops us. It's, it's almost like you do it for free. Childcare is the same. You know, there's lots of te- teaching is often they're seen as, you know, it's just, it stops people seeing them as academically uh, equal to a lawyer and having an emotional IQ that's possibly higher. Yeah, it stops people seeing all of that. Mm. Um, some incredibly academically gifted nurses. Um, yeah, so, so that that's possibly the misconception that we all just do it because we love it. We, I do love it. Yeah, like I, yeah. I want to be there. I prefer comedy though. Obviously, you've got to balance it both at the moment. But would you love to take comedy full time and and leave nursing behind, or would you miss it too much? No, I've done that. So I did. I left nursing uh, three or four, three years ago, I reckon. So I transit. I was doing. I was on telly and nursing at the same time. And then, you, like I say, you have to maintain your qualifications and things. And I just was getting very de-skilled in the hospital. So and they've been so good with me. And I was getting to the point where I was working two shifts a month. Now you can't be good at something if you're doing it two shifts a month. You're literally going in and asking where everything is kept. That's all you're doing. And then people are frustrated because you don't know the new paperwork and you don't know. So I quit that long ago. Full-time in comedy is just a weird term because if you did 37 and a half hours of comedy a week, you'd be buggered. Yeah. So, yeah, in terms of financially keeping me afloat and keeping me busy enough, comedy's been doing that for ages. But, of course, it got stopped over COVID, didn't it? So I went Mm. back to the hospital then. And then now 
because the book's happening and the tour's happening, I can stop for a bit again. And definitely I won't work in hospitals again. I'm not up to date enough. I definitely as well, I think I've done enough fixing things that's gone wrong. You know, I don't want to do disease prevention. I don't want to be putting out fires. I would love to help people live exactly how they want to live. So a care, a, a lifestyle coordinator. Mm. You know, what do we all want? What, what do we want this to be? What do you want your days to be full of or not full of? How can we do that? That's what I would love to do if I go back into the workforce. I don't even know if that's a job, but I'm making it a job. You can make it whatever you want. You're a creative thinker, I'll Georgie. Make a job. <laughs> I love My that. My TikTok is full of um, fun things to do in aged care homes. Is that right? Yes, so my TikTok for you page, it is, there's such great ideas. There's um, changing dining rooms. So, because in, in the UK, especially, they, they've not been allowed visitors forever. Yeah. And America's done it as well. So, they turned the dining room into like a train carriage. Not not too fancy, but they put all the tables next to the wall, put three or four big tellies up in a line. So, they were the windows and had the scenery going past. On That's the cool. That's really cool. Really good. And then they've had under the sea days where they've had it where it's like an aquarium that they're in. Wow. And, you know, there's so many brilliant things that, that can be done that aren't being done. Mm. Um, even just something simple in an aged care facility. Like, um, like I say, I'm more like putting on people what I think they'd want. I'd ask them what they want. But having chickens hatching, you know, just having an incubator there, something to check on every day, something to, yeah, it's just. That's oh, lovely. Well, there you go. There's a feature in that for you. I'm glad you've got so many options, Georgie. That's awesome. In in the book, you did state that you are a, and I quote, compassionate, guilty empath. I feel you. I, <laughs> I judge you. I still care. Can you explain this? And is this, a, is this a job description for all nurses and maybe even hospital staff? No, no, absolutely not. You don't have to be one particular thing to be a nurse. You can be a very thorough person that's that's not got the bedside manner. There's room for all of us. Like, the, we need everybody. Everybody can bring something to it. My gift is not the thoroughness. I'm dreadful. I have to think twice when I hear the word benign and malignant. I have to work in my head which one's good and which one's bad every time. I am not the thorough um, sort of that kind of nurse. Um, so I, my thing, I think I've just always... I'm never happier than when I'm helping people. That's a compassionate bit, isn't it? Yeah. I help people as well. Maybe not to the point of enabling anymore, but when I was younger, I did. And now I'm a bit better at just cutting it off when it has to be. So, yeah, I'm compassionate. I'm empathetic, I would say, which is such an obnoxious thing to say. I can feel what you feel. It's not, it's not I, like I can see when someone's angry. If it's, I feel I can see if it's coming from fear or loneliness or whatever it's coming from, you know, or frustration. I can feel like I can yeah. see where it's coming from. So I can do that. Sympathy, I really struggle with. So I think sympathy is when you can understand why someone's feeling what they're feeling. Is that sympathy? I think so. That Sometimes sometimes I just think, oh, come on now, toughen up. Mm. But I, so I can feel it and I, just, I can understand where it's coming from and I still want to help you feel better. But sometimes I would hope that someone, yeah, maybe that's a bit that's lacking in me where I just think sometimes people, the personal responsibility bit where you just maybe sometimes got to 
See, now I sound awful, but no. I'm being honest. But I think I think <laughs> there must be times when, you know, I imagine nurses at the end of a shift, say a night shift, and you are exhausted and you have to care for people. It's part of your job but there are difficult patients or things aren't just going right. It must be very hard to care in moments like that. I, I hope that I've never come across as not caring. I definitely It's different things for different people. So for some people, they talk about personal responsibility and it upsetting them in terms of, oh, we've had this smoker in so many times now, you know, how is it ever going to get better if it doesn't stop smoking, which I don't ever judge lifestyle activities like that. Um, I struggle with lack of manners. Ah. If somebody, I, and I, too much manners isn't good either. So if I'm, if you've, uh, you know, been incontinent in the bed and are constantly apologising and constantly thanking and that becomes awkward too, because that's, that we don't, it, like, oh mate, I don't want you to feel like that about it. I don't, I don't demand all of this of you. Mm. I don't need you to feel bad to make this all right. It's all right anyway. Mm. But then the, yeah, when people have no manners, it probably I was probably about twelve or thirteen years into nursing before I thought, why am I getting mad about this all the time in my head and not just saying it? So I would eventually go, oh, me and you got a lot of got a few days together. This is going to work so much better if we can just use some manners and just speak nicely to each other. Hmm. This is going to work so much better for both of us. Yeah, and I wouldn't then withhold care from anyone who wasn't polite, but it's. Yeah, that's the bit for me that was a a line of just whether I went home angry or went home feeling calm. And if I've said it and they still don't use manners, and I'm like, well, I've done what I can do with this. That's right. I, I I think of the last year, I think of 2020, and you mentioned that you went back and worked in the hospital system through that time. And medical staff, especially nurses, have proven themselves to be absolute heroes. Uh, and I, I don't know why it took a pandemic for people to see that properly, but what more can be done to honour nurses and hospital staff do you think oh i get this question so often i have no idea so not the honor bit not the that's already that was there before or at least appreciate the, them certainly nurses i feel like people nurses hold closer to their hearts than doctors even you know like nurses for some reason like i say it's still part of that angel thing and the fact that you know it's even though it's not a female profession, I think that I think the statistics are just one in ten of us are male. But it's, it's the idea that it's a maternal role and that we just love doing it. Mm. I don't I don't know because I'm not political on anyone else's behalf. It would be really lovely if the system worked better. So maybe for, I can only speak for me, not for everyone else in the system. I feel like I was generally paid all right, and. If it, it certainly I felt safe apart from the threat of humans, you know. So definitely in terms of violence, they need to take that very seriously. I know that it, saying we have a zero tolerance doesn't stop it. You need to make sure there's enough staff that two staff can go in together to someone who we suspect is going to be aggressive. You know, mm-hmm. you, they need, and so just the system needs to work better because if if there's ambulances queued up outside and there's people in the corridors. You can't, you can't do your job properly and you are letting a 90-year-old who's been on the floor for four days sit in an ambulance with all the staff that want to care, but that's not where they should be on a hard bed in an ambulance getting sicker. You know, it's this, the whole system and that is not going to get fixed in our podcast. But that's what this <laughs> so is about. There's nothing, nobody who listens to your podcast is going around punching paramedics. So there's nothing we can fix on this podcast. 
to fix the system. <laughs> so yes, it isn't a just say thank you more. It isn't anything like that. It isn't in bringing more chocolates. We love the chocolates, but you know, it's just literally if you've got anyone, it's more likely on yours, your podcast that you've got people in power who are listening. Oh, but, oh, here's one thing that if you have got someone in power listening, they they bring on chief execs of hospitals and and trusts that they're never from a health background they're always someone who owned pet planet um and made you know <laughs> turned around so they're like someone from dragon's den that just can make it streamline it and make it more cost efficient how about we charge the staff for parking how about um yeah we we make them bring their own scissors now how about they wash their own uniforms how about you know they're streamlining it and yeah hmm. maybe just have more of a grassroots, you know, back to the floor presence at the at the point where people make decisions. They definitely hold meetings and ask us what we want, but I don't feel they listen. Yeah. Look, I've really enjoyed getting to know you, Georgie, and, and the book is out now off the charts. It's fantastic, and it takes you so much more into, I guess, the nitty-gritty of your job and what you've done and, and, and your experience. But um, I feel like what I've learned about you in this last half hour is that you – are really optimistic and you're positive and I really love that and and so and even the picture you painted about hospitals which is a problem we're trying to fix you've you've kind of said that it's it's going all right here in Australia for me so for there's you. lots of yes. people will tell you, I cannot be the spokesperson for all nurses <laughs> I might I might have my finger on the pulse as you said so say or I might have a little bit of the zeitgeist but somebody who's been in it five years will feel def- very differently to me who's been in it 20 years will feel very differently to somebody who's been in it 40 years or, and working in towns and country towns and everybody will feel different. But that's certainly my perspective is it wasn't the day-to-day job that was dreadful. I, I felt for the patients that maybe the system could do better. So what should we do about hospitals then? <sighs> do you know what? I'm not paid enough to answer that question. <laughs> the, the, it, I would like to see, you can't have spare beds everywhere. We don't have enough money in the country for that. But, you know, just, yeah, just stop stop wording things that we've really paid our, that we've really grown our ambulance force and then you find out they've actually cut it. Just be honest. Just be transparent. Don't take services away from the poor areas. You know, like they're always downsizing those hospitals and building centres of excellence where they can't get to. You know, it's... Yeah, so I would, but I don't know how to fix it. I don't want to think about anything that big. I don't, I just want to look at the person in front of me or the next three in front of me and just go, how can this go better? Mm. How can we make what you're going through better than it is? And I love that. That's great. Uh, Georgie Carroll, congratulations on the new book and thanks for uh, chatting to me all about it on, uh, on the show. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Georgie Carroll's book Off the Charts is out now and you can find Georgie on Instagram at nurse underscore Georgie underscore Carroll and you can also find out more about Georgie and her upcoming shows at georgiecarroll.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and why not leave a lovely review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're hearing this. The show is on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and you can get in touch with me anytime at whatshallwedopod at gmail.com. What Shall We Do About is hosted and produced by me, Sam Robinson, with original theme music by Chad Gardner. See you next week.